The Eagle. Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable, formerly known as the Inside Columbia Show. Glad that you are joining us this morning. Uh, we have some great guests uh, during this COVID-19 period. We are, uh, of course, interviewing all of our guests by way of phone. They are not here in the Eagle Studios. Uh, but we are continuing our conversation today about the impact of COVID-19 on our local community. And we're going to shift away from the health side of the conversation and talk a little bit about the business impact. And uh, we have three great guests uh, on our show today. We are visiting with uh, uh, Matt Woods, who is uh, an attorney with Ingen Woods uh, Attorneys at Law. And he is representing a group of business owners who are uh, trying to have a conversation with the city, uh, trying to uh, pursue uh, a re- some relief uh, from the health order that has been issued that went into effect uh, last Monday, May 4th. Uh, we also have Cameron Donovan, who is a local restaurant owner who has restaurants in uh, Missouri and, and uh, three or four other states and a local real estate developer. And Ed Baker, who is one of the owners of the Holiday Inn Executive Center with hotels in Columbia, Knoxville, Tennessee, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Matt, I'm going to start off with you this morning. Matt Woods, uh, attorney at law. Um, Tell us a little bit about um, what has been happening. Uh, you uh, have recently been uh, retained by a group of local business owners uh, and concerned parties uh, regarding the county and the city stay-at-home order. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, what your your involvement there. Okay. Thanks for having me on, Fred. Uh, yeah, I uh, represent various individuals and businesses. Uh, there's a list uh, included in a letter that I had sent to the city and to the county, it's it's a mayor and a city manager, uh, Stephanie Browning, the director of the Public Health and Human Services, and Dan Atwell, uh, uh, Boone County Presiding Commissioner. Uh, the purpose of the letter was on behalf of those individuals and businesses to set forth our position uh, or their position regarding uh, what should be happening in Boone County with respect to the local health and human services position, and that is that their position is different from and inconsistent with the state order uh, that was issued by Dr. Williams that's effective uh, throughout the state. And uh, basically that letter set forth various arguments that we feel we have uh, that set forth certain factual uh, conditions that we believe exist and uh, then asking for some relief. And and the relief is set forth in that last paragraph, which is merely to have a meeting with those at the city and those at the county who would make decisions regarding uh, our request. And the request specifically is simple. It's to rescind the uh, county-slash-city order uh, to allow the state order uh, to carry the day in Boone County which would free up some uh, various businesses uh, to begin to operate where they now cannot uh, due to the more onerous restrictions that were put on the uh, 
good citizens of Boone County by Miss Browning uh, in her recent order that is not clearly defined and specifically is indefinite in nature. And I think that anybody who runs a business or has a business or knows anything about private business, they understand that there needs to be reasonable certainty on timing of things. And, and that is one of the uh, things that, that these businesses find offensive about this order, that there is no uh, date certain by which uh, they can rely to plan on, on business activity. And it's hurting their businesses, uh, and we all understand that this is a serious uh, problem, this COVID-19. Nobody knows exactly how it's going to play out. Uh, but in any event, we know that the cases are, are low in Boone County, and uh, we have plenty of, uh, uh, plenty of room to take care of folks in the local hospitals, uh, and uh, that it's incumbent upon us to get back to work. And uh, while we do, don't want to seem uncaring for uh, individuals who are affected directly medically by this, uh, we just think it's it's in the best interest of all to just follow simply the state order. Okay. And, yeah. So you're not uh, you're not advocating or discounting the the health consequences of COVID nineteen. You're simply saying, hey, let's let's follow the state health director, uh, who is a you know licensed physician, very experienced uh, in uh, um, infectious diseases, and and understands sort of uh, has great access to information. But uh, let's rely on his judgment uh, regarding. Uh, uh, the way we we conduct ourselves locally. That's so. You're that's basically your 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 request, correct? That's it, Fred. And I would just add that that all of the contiguous counties to Boone uh, are following the state order. There are no, you know, Jeff City, Cole County, Callaway, uh, uh, you know, Randolph. Cal- uh, all the counties around us follow the state order. Mm-hmm. It's just Boone has this idea that we need further restrictions on on our citizens, which have no basis in fact or medically or otherwise. It, it don't make any sense. And so that's a reason why we feel that our citizens in Boone County are put at a disadvantage. Uh, and certain businesses can't operate where they can in counties right next door. So people will be going to these other counties and doing business there. Meanwhile, we're bringing in sick people uh, into our hospitals, and then the people of Boone County, in effect, pay the price for any potential risks that may occur arising out of that transfer uh, because the uh, city health authority believes it may put us somehow uh, at risk. And and uh, I guess that's the reasoning why, because there's no other good reasons. Right. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, ask Cameron Dunafin and Ed Baker, both of you have uh, business uh, entities uh, in other states. Um, what do you, Cameron, I'll start with you. Uh, you uh, have uh, restaurants in in, uh, in South Dakota, North Dakota, and, and uh, I forget where else you have them, but, but what are you seeing in those states in terms of health orders and the way that um, uh, businesses are, are being handled uh, in those states versus what's happening here in Columbia, Missouri? Well, the other states we operate in, um, North and South Dakota, really are uh, more closely aligned with probably what the state order is. Uh, the restrictions there are even uh, slightly more loose. Uh, restaurants are open to, uh, as long as they are social distancing, doing doing some of those uh, responsible things, they're open for uh, dine-in business uh, and have been for a few weeks now. Hmm. Um, and kind of the, the end result uh, in those other states, uh, our experience is that our sale, our transactions are down, but we're actually seeing an uptick in sales 
uh, due to some uh, larger order size and check average growth. Whereas uh, here in uh, Columbia, uh, our sales are still uh, location by location, probably down uh, twenty to up to sixty percent. Mm-hmm. And so what? And, and that's just in in Columbia. That's just your retail sales in in uh, so down. Say that one more time. How how far down are your sales here locally? Uh, anywhere twenty to sixty percent on average. Wow. We're uh, down about thirty percent in Columbia. Yeah, that's amazing. That really is. Ed Baker, uh, you have hotels in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in addition to the Executive Center here in Columbia. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the reaction in those states versus what we're seeing here. Well, they're following the CDC guidelines much more uh, direct. Where where Louisiana is a hot spot near New Orleans, we're about uh, an hour away from there. Mm-hmm. So we have a much higher incidence of of deaths and hospitalizations. <clears throat> For example, they took over a whole hospital uh, and and have like 90 beds in it that have COVID uh, patients in it. I don't know what our number is. I know we have, I think, five active mm-hmm. cases right yeah. now. Uh, and then it's supposed to loosen up on the 15th. But I think the big deal is it's laid out what we're going to do. There's a laid out plan, and they're going to follow the state plan. And uh, here it's um, it's not congruent across the state, uh, even with with our, our sister counties around us. And, like, we right now we're losing uh, about $2 million in conventions between now and, and August. Uh, because uh, they don't know. There's this big unknown. We don't know what we can do. And the lake is now, they're saying, okay, I'm going to go to the lake because they're opening up. Callaway's opening up. And and so it it really hurts my employees. Uh, yeah, my understanding is work. Yeah, my understanding is that you there was actually a softball tournament scheduled uh, for Columbia uh, later this month, uh, and uh, they ended up canceling uh, the tournament in Columbia and, and ended up moving it to Jefferson City, which is which is open now. Is that correct? Well, it was it was Jeff City and a couple other uh, around us, other cities. Uh, mm-hmm. But now I have heard that they, through pressure from uh, other another uh, health official uh, that they have uh, canceled it there too from another okay. health right. director. Well, that's so good. Yeah. it's one of those, it's one of those things that kind of public shaming. Uh, uh, the quote that I was told was that if people from St. Louis and Kansas city come here and people die, it's going to be your fault mm-hmm. type yeah. of thing. Okay. So, all right, good. So I want to talk a little bit about the, the executive center and uh, you had, uh, I've read in the media that you had laid off, uh, you have laid off 170 employees. Uh, talk a little bit about that experience. Well, you know, and that's that's been the hardest thing. I think I've never lost more tears in my life. That's just on this one property, not my other properties. Uh, it's about 700 across the country. But to let people that have worked for us for a long time, and there's this misconception that uh, that everybody is on unemployment and they're getting the $600. Many of these people change jobs a lot. Uh, they're in domestic abuse situations. Uh, they're, they're unable to work for a period of time. So they're not on unemployment. They're not getting this. So they're constantly calling wanting to come back. You know, and the other thing that I think that is really hard for them is we look at our own lives and say, okay, I live in this nice house and I've got 
three or four people in the house. They may have in an 800, 900 square foot house, seven, six, seven people. And there are not many of them in, in different departments are, are working poor. They aren't, they don't have a high school diploma. And we think that they're being taught and homeschooled. Well, the majority of these people are not homeschooled. And I don't think they have a voice. Uh, Everybody's talking about the COVID people, the the 97 people that got COVID here. But what about the thousands that are not being educated, the thousands that are at home and don't have enough to eat or, or food banks are just packed? And the National Guard has come in and helping to fill our food banks. I mean, so that's my biggest concern is what is what are they doing to the working poor and the working class people of this city? And nobody talks about that. We only talk about the 97 people that got COVID, uh, the virus. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I think uh, a lot of the voices that you're hearing are people, and I hate to stereotype, but it's, it's uh, people that uh, either work for the university or work for the state of Missouri. And, and, you know, frankly, those are the two largest employers in our community. And so, uh, those folks have been held harmless. Uh, you know, most government workers, uh, including Boone County government workers have been held harmless. They have not been penalized for not showing up to work. Uh, they continue to draw their full salaries. Um, and so I think that we just all assume that the, we assume that the rest of the world is just like us. And, and unfortunately in the service sector, ex- especially, um, and you know, these are, these are jobs that, that pay 10, 11, $12 an hour. Uh, but these are folks that, um, uh, you know, they're, they're not living in ideal circumstances, as you mentioned. And so, um, Cameron, do you mind uh, kind of talk about the folks in the service sector? What are you seeing? What did, what have you had to do with your workforce? What, what are you uh, looking at? Yeah, it's it's like I said. They're they've they're in they're living in a different uh, environment under different conditions than um, we do here. Some of the the state or university workers talk about. Um, we have uh, probably reduced our workforce by fifteen to twenty percent, uh, and just just because of a downtick in sales, uh, and we have uh, continued to try to keep uh, everyone. Uh, on payroll, um, and 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 get them get them some some work, uh, but uh, really they're they're suffering because of a lack of work. We've had uh, as as we move through this, we've had uh, a couple of um, individuals go on quarantine, and a couple of people with uh, positive cases that we've worked with uh, local health departments on, um, and and in those cases. Uh, we know that they're struggling, and so we do everything we can to to compensate them fully when when they're just objected to to having to having to quarantine through no, really no fault of their own. Yeah, um, all three of you have been involved in in conversations with uh, local business owners, and and uh, you know the the impact. Uh, I think one of the things that's been impressive is some of the most vocal people uh, in this movement have been the people that are not really have not really been impacted by this. There are people in the construction industry that have been allowed to continue working, 
but yet they see sort of the trickle down or the the rolling impact of some of these layoffs. But um, Matt, can you? Uh, your wife owns a hair salon in Columbia. Uh, I hope you don't mind me saying that. Uh, but that's that's one of the reasons that uh, got you involved. When we come back from this breakout, I'd like to hear specifically uh, about uh, the experience that uh, your wife and the people in her business sector, hair salons, have had to face. Uh, and then we'll jump into uh, what we hope the ultimate objective of the, this legal action is. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. This is Fred Perry, your host this morning. And uh, I want to go back to Matt Woods. Uh, Matt, your wife, owns uh, a hair salon here in Columbia. And, you know, as those of us who follow social media, we know that hair salons uh, have been especially impacted by this. And it's, it's been uh, pretty devastating. But talk about your, your wife's experience. And, and, and this is kind of what got you involved in this. Well, that's right, uh, Fred. I, I uh, am married uh, to a gal. Uh, uh, Stacy, who owns the clip joints uh, here in Columbia, she has uh, actually two or three different locations, uh, and she is, uh, you know, under this uh, order that is more onerous than the than the state order. And really, it comes down to uh, things like personal, you know, care services who are who are very affected by this, and uh, the. Uh, you know, the state order says, you know, you need to wear a mask and you need to uh, cover your face and, and uh, you know, social distancing sh- uh, should apply when possible. Uh, and, uh, you know, the uh, clip joint and other hair salons are all uh, separately and independently uh, under separate uh, rules and regulations that are promulgated by the state. So they have a lot of, of cleanliness rules that people don't even know about. They're, you know, hospital uh, size and effective uh, cleansers and things like that. And there's things they can and can't do. Uh, but, but for instance, this order that was issued in this case uh, says that basically five hairstylists uh, are allowed at any location. And so what that means is that, you know, they can have five customers at a time. Uh, and my wife, I believe, has somewhere over 30 or 35 hairstylists. Well, so let's think about that. So basically, uh, you know, the, the two-thirds of her workforce is unable to perform uh, at any given time. And uh, that means that these hairstylists cannot earn uh, the living that they expect. Uh, and I'm trying to still figure out why it is that in a hair salon, uh, you know, you're only allowed 10 people uh, when, you know, in other areas uh, that are of the same square footage, you're allowed more people. Um, it, it, the, the, the medical uh, evidence just doesn't back up or become a rational basis for the rule. And so those are the kinds of inconsistencies that we think exist that really put these burdens on on local business. Yeah. One of the things we hear is that, you know, there's just a little bit of and, you know, you 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 want to be fair about this. But, you know, the questions that I get as a county commissioner is that, okay, tell me why they can have a, you know, Black Friday style crowd over at Walmart or Home Depot. 
but I can't, I can only have five people in my salon, you know, and uh, that's the kind of questions that we're getting. And, you know, frankly, I'm, I'm not able to answer that question. I, I don't understand the, the basis for that. Uh, I haven't been given the opportunity to, to hear the basis for that. But it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, you look at a, a, a hairstylist in, in Columbia, God knows, has plenty of them, uh, but uh, they have lost 100% of their income uh no way to make it up and uh it's it's one of those things that uh uh you know if that's a single mother of two you know she's supporting a family um or he is supporting a family you know you just you end up it, it creates a lot of social uh disorders and and i ed baker i want to come to you on that because you have articulated this in the past that uh you're concerned about um not necessarily the immediate impact of covid19 uh, but you're um, sort of concerned about some of the residual effects. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, I'll give you an example. My father has heart disease, and he's had cancer. And he's had three appointments he was to be at in the last two months that he's missed. And uh, so if his cancer has come back or if he's, his clogged arteries have gotten worse, he's 85 years old, and... They've canceled it. So our hospitals are sitting empty, and we're dealing with the 97 people we have and probably four or five in the hospital at any one time that I think there's a lot of issues that's going to come that are unattended consequences from it. People not being educated because our kids, like I said earlier, that they're they're not being homeschooled by their mothers. There's, I know that uh, the suicide hotline has gone up 300%. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen that our health director, I think, has her heart in the right spot, but you can't make decisions in a test tube. You have to make them in real life, and any action has a reaction, and I just think there hasn't been, and I told two of the, the council people this, uh, we didn't elect them, her, to make these decisions. At the end of the day, I understand her input, but we should take the science input from the governor's office where he's making decisions based on scientific information and looking at the whole scope of how it affects everything. Yeah, uh, Cameron Dunnifin, I want to I want to go to you uh, next on this, and and I want to talk about some of the. Uh, uh, the relief programs that the SBA and the federal government have been able to, to offer to businesses like PPP. Um, but tell me ab- about those and the limitations of those. What, what has been your experience as uh, you've heard from other business owners who have applied for that? Uh, what, what has been the overall experience? Yeah, I, I've talked to several people that have applied for those uh, programs. I have as well. Uh, my personal experience in the application process, I worked with uh, a local bank here in town, and it, it was it, it was very smooth from an application process. Mm-hmm. Um, I know as it rolled out, there were uh, quite a few concerns and, and many that were unable to get through. And I, I know of many uh, smaller businesses that uh, simply didn't have relationships and, and were not able to get through the first wave. And I think that's where Congress brought out uh, another uh, massive funding uh, that, that's currently in play. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think there were some hiccups, but I, overall, I think how they rolled out the program and the, the speed with which they were able to get um, uh, relief funds into, into people's bank accounts and help businesses um, kind of stem the tide was 
actually done very well. Uh, and now that it's in place, um, my, my thoughts are, ch- are beginning to change. The It seems as though now it's in place. Uh, rules. There, there's some unintended consequences that came out. You heard of uh, some national um, publicly traded companies, Ruth Chris, some others, the, the Lakers basketball team that mm-hmm. got funding. Uh, and so they're attempting to uh, make sure that money gets into the right hands, uh, but in doing so, uh, it's beginning to create, even in uh, my own business, just a little bit of trepidation as to whether or not, is, are these funds going to truly be available at the end of the day uh, or not? And so there's a, there's, I understand why they're doing that, but uh, it is, it's creating a, a lot of uh, administrative burden um, when in Really, what what I'd like to be able to do is uh, spend time uh, just caring for our employees and really making sure that we have the right things in their hands so that they're one they're safe at work and and comfortable in what they're doing, but uh, also just uh, confident uh, that we're here to to help take care of them and and to give them a good experience. One of the limitations of the payroll protection plan that I have uh, uh, heard about from a a local restaurant owner is that, hey, you know, uh, this, uh, these funds are only good for, you know, 60 days. I have to use them within the 60 day period. And, and uh, it only is going to take me so far. But if I'm at the end of the day, if I'm still only allowed to have 12 people in my restaurant that normally seats 120, um, I'm, I'm really going to, I'm, these funds are not going to take me very far. I'm, I'm still, uh, I can protect my employees for 60 days, but that's really, that's about it. Uh, have you heard those concerns? I have it's yeah. because they, they are, they're looking at a historical payroll run and that's where the funds came from. And, and it allows you to keep those individuals, uh, employed and paid for, like you said, 60 days, eight weeks, um, which, which really gets into it possibly mid-June. Um, and then uh, at that point, if if sales patterns uh, or uh, our ability to bring people in and have dine-in and, and provide uh, jobs for servers and, and hosts and bartenders and those things, if, if we're unable to provide uh, service to guests and, and have a need for those employees and have income to, to compensate those employees, at a certain point, when those funds do run out, as you said, um, those those jobs will necessarily go away. Yeah, Ed Baker, what are you hearing uh, in the hospitality industry about uh, the the government programs that have have uh, tried to help? Well, I think they're good, but there, there's in in it the sim- it was simple. The challenge is is the seventy five twenty five rule, where you have to bring uh, you can only use. Uh, 25% for rent, for electricity. For example, my bill is $38,000 a month for utilities. So, and if I don't have any business, I can't bring 180 people back to work to do nothing. So, because that in itself has its own risk. Mm-hmm. So unless unless the city or state changes the mandate so that we can go back to business over the next three or four months, I'm not sure we'll be here. Uh, it's, I mean, I, you can only take five or six thousand, seven thousand dollars a day, and lose that amount of money for how many months? And uh, it's it's across. I mean, the hotels in this market are probably running five, six percent occupancy, and the magic number usually is sixty percent to be able to make money. And 
we we're now are told we can't have any meetings, so the meetings are going to go to our competition in at the lake, Springfield, Joplin, uh, and it it's arbitrary. I don't know why when we've had one death in ninety seven cases that we're having such difficulty and and making it so difficult to do business in this market. Yeah, Matt Woods, let me circle back to you um, as the attorney for. Um, these business owners, uh, what what do you ultimately hope to accomplish? What would be the ideal outcome, uh, in in your p- opinion, from this point? Well, I'll tell you, the ideal outcome uh, would be that I get a return phone call uh, from the county counselor or the city counselor in charge of these matters to tell me that they have voluntarily agreed to rescind their order and that because of the of the loud voices that we are, you know, giving them that uh, they've decided to go ahead and relent and to allow this state order to exist. That that would be the best thing. Uh, the second best thing would be to have a meeting and discuss all of these issues uh and then have them rescind the order. That that's what I'm hoping happens. Uh you know, and in the absence of that, we're left with, uh, with you know, attempting to make them do it. And nobody wants that. I think, uh, you know, uh, Cameron and Ned have both said it very well. There's no ill will behind this. There's no nefariousness. I don't think anybody is, is not saying that there's good meaning behind it. It's just that it is so onerous. And it's burdensome, and it hurts people. People are damaged because of this irreparably. And uh, you know, for instance, Ed, I think he has a bar in one of his uh, in his uh, uh, hotel here in Columbia. Well, he can't open that bar, but boy, you can go down to Jeff City and and sit at a bar and and have a beer. So. Uh, it's just things like that. I hope they get back to me and say, Matt, you know what? It makes sense. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Well, when we come back uh, after this uh, break, we're going to talk more with Ed Baker, Cameron Donovan, and Matt Woods about uh, so their their attempts to get the uh, uh, Boone County uh, Columbia Health Director to rescind uh, her health order on uh, Columbia. Uh, it is a health order, as you've heard described here, that uh, is more restrictive uh, then, uh, the governor's order that he placed on the entire state of Missouri, which includes Kansas City and St. Louis. And, um, also, uh, does not have a expiration date. Um, and so this is one of those, uh, health orders that does not appear to have a sunset. And I think that that's really concerned a lot of business owners as to when they plan. Uh, can I hold out for two more weeks? Well, what if the health order is still in place in two weeks? Uh, I might as well close my doors now. And we've seen a list of Columbia businesses that have closed already. So when we come back, we'll continue our uh, conversation with these three gentlemen. And we'll, we'll give you an update on the unemployment numbers for Columbia and Boone County. Right after this, you are listening to the CEO Roundtable on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. 
And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable. Fred Perry, your host this morning. And we are visiting with uh, Matt Woods, an attorney with uh, Ingen Woods Attorneys at Law. Cameron Donovan, who is a local restaurant owner and uh, real estate developer here in Columbia. And Ed Baker, who is one of the owners of the Holiday Inn Executive Center, as well as hotels in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, gentlemen, the uh, unemployment numbers for Columbia and Boone County came out this week, and, and I, I got to tell you, they were a little shocking. Uh, Columbia typically has the lowest unemployment rate uh, in the state of Missouri, uh, but we now have 12,656 people unemployed, not related to COVID. Uh, I mean, all of these uh, uh these are jobs that are related directly to the to the COVID closings. Uh, so we now have twelve thousand six hundred and fifty six people who have lost their livelihoods. Now we have, uh, and I I don't mean to downplay this at all, and I want to be as respectful as I possibly can. We have had one death uh, uh, when this uh, COVID uh, nineteen thing first got started here in the state of Missouri back on March eighteenth. Uh, but uh, now we have twelve thousand six hundred and fifty six of our fellow citizens, our neighbors who are not working. Uh, and of course, you know, you hear about the school district scrambling to feed kids even because school's not in session. Uh, you hear about local restaurants kicking in to do that. Uh, we, we've talked about the, the, the sort of the depression and the mental uh, health issues that have evolved, domestic violence. Um, it, it sounds like there's a, a whole different kind of pandemic headed our way once COVID-19 goes away. Your reaction to that? Ed Baker, I'll start with you. No, I do. I, I mean, I have a real fear of, of going into uh, uh, our school systems are going to be underfunded. The university uh, will be underfunded. Uh, our police force, are, you know, I, I think it's just it's, it's going to snowball. And right now, the people that are working for the government or they're working for the uh, state, they're, they're feeling no, no pain. Uh, even if you're retired, you're not feeling any pain if you're on a pension. But if we don't employ people, that they will feel the pain eventually. And I think we've done a great job of standing up and, and staying home. Now we've got to get out. The people that are young and un, not old and don't have a pre-existing condition, we need to get out. And let us make the decision if I want to risk myself. We make that decision every day. How many car accidents and killings have we had from car accidents in Columbia, Missouri, and Boone County in that same period of time? Every time we get behind the car, we make that decision to risk. Let us make that decision and be smart about it. Cameron Dunnifin, your thoughts on our unemployment? Yeah, I think the unemployment really is it's a concern going forward and, and it's the the largest burden will be carried I, I believe by uh those of lowest means. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think there really is an urgency um understanding there are there are health concerns and risks out there related to COVID but there really is an urgency to getting back to work and and create an economy that can uh, employ these people, allow them to um, continue to, to create a living. And um, beyond that, it, the, I think the latest number uh, I saw was sales tax revenue was down 7%. And I think that was from March, but I believe that number is going to uh, balloon. And, and as we see April come out and May come out and probably be, uh, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked to see it in the 20s. Um, possibly touching 30 yeah. uh, and so the, all those revenues for for local government road tax with decreased fuel uh consumption 
all those are going to be hit and and begin to create economic burden uh, for our government um, later this year and into next year. Yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting when you look at uh, the the businesses that have been impacted by uh, some of the restrictions that they are the service industry, um, which generates a significant portion of our sales tax revenues in 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 Columbia and Boone County. Uh, you know, the the Boone County Auditor has estimated that we will have uh, a decrease in sales tax revenues anywhere between ten and thirty percent. We've seen other people predicting a, a sales tax decrease of fifty percent, and and that's you know that's the money that we use to hire cops. And firefighters and and uh, other basic city services and county services that that people really rely on. So, uh, Matt Woods, I want to uh, in this final segment, I, I kind of want to go back to you and talk a little bit about. It. I think that most people don't understand that the um, there is a belief uh, that the the county health director and and I appreciate what you all said off the air too. This is not this this is no disrespect for Stephanie Browning. Stephanie Browning is a very talented uh, health professional who is uh, doing um, I think everything that she thinks she can to, to do this but the, the the critique the criticism is really tied to the restrictive nature of the of the order but this is a this is a situation where uh, the prevailing wisdom is that uh, she has authority to make these health decisions these health orders uh, that are granted to her by state statute can you talk a little bit about that so our listeners have a better understanding of, of how these decisions are made yeah, you know, I'll tell you, it, it really comes down to whether or not her order is inconsistent with the state order. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. And we believe that it is, because it is more onerous. And then they say, well, you, we can do a more onerous uh, uh, rule. And I say, no, because the statute, which gives the state director the authority, says that he can't delegate it to local authorities. Uh, and and then, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be the argument that uh, that he, he hasn't delegated, or if he did, he can only delegate what he has. And in any event, if a local order is inconsistent with a state order, uh, then then there's a violation of the statute, which is is what gives the authority to have regulations and things like that. So that's really what it comes down to is an interpretation, and uh, we believe that uh, when you know the state order trumps and supersedes the county order and so uh there's there's several different arguments they're all slightly different on that point uh but that's really what it comes down to an interpretation of what was meant and whether somebody actually has the authority to delegate it to somebody else yeah um i want to uh as we start to kind of wrap up this this particular segment i want to just talk a little bit about uh the the future and uh kind of uh how we dig out of this uh how what what does financial recovery what does economic recovery look like uh for uh your business ed baker uh what what what's going to happen it's going to take some time for people to get back into the swing of things in terms of meetings and, and conferences and conventions uh what what does economic recovery look like for you yeah and that's a good question and we're constantly talking to the second half of the year on our conferences that are wanting to meet um but because of the onerous situation and unknown situation that we're in in Columbia as far as meetings, uh, they're looking to cancel, they're looking to go somewhere else where they can't have those meetings. So I, I will be very frank with you. My biggest fear is that we lose the whole year because people have to plan. 
if if you have a, a meeting for uh, uh, 200 rooms or 500 people or 1,000 people, you have to plan for that. And we have given no plans to go forward. So they can't plan, so they're going to go where they can plan and where they can have their meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that uh, that could be as, as close as uh, 45 minutes away, correct? That is correct. Yeah, yeah. Cameron Donovan, what does uh, economic recovery look like for you? How do you rebuild your business? You know, I think it's it, as as we're allowed to have uh, dining guests, um, it, it, it begins to open up just the ability to to, to operate again, to serve uh, the community, um, build back. Uh, anytime you lose, my biggest concern is my transactions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, we've made up a fair amount of business just in large, uh, large larger orders and people taking food home. Uh, but really to generate those transactions, um, it takes time. Um, it, it, it's, it's, and it's about building habits. And I think uh, as we're in the, uh, the quarantine or stay at home or, or, or whatever you want to call it, um, people are building habits. And they're building habits to sit at home and not go out and spend money uh, and gener- and and drive our economy. And I, and I think the longer we do that, there's there, there's going to be a need, a, a large marketing need uh, by private enterprise, by uh, local government, state government to uh, begin to to change those habits back to to what we're used to to. to to bring conferences in, um, to bring, to, to say it's okay to come to a football game, uh, and, and to do some of those things and, and rebuild uh, some habits. Will, will it be exactly what it was? I don't know, um, but but I certainly think that that I think is going to be one of the largest lifts. Um, and, and the longer that we are in this mode, the I think the larger that lift becomes. There is a, a considerable fear that the university will not reopen this fall uh, as an uh, in-person, on-campus experience. But, uh, you know, there's lots of rumors floating around, and, and the university has commented, and then they've sort of retracted, and, and so they we really don't have a definitive answer about what will happen in the fall. But you know, when you think of your real estate investments that you have in this community, uh, what impact does losing the, the students physically here in Columbia, what, what does that have on, on that particular sector of the business? Cameron? Uh, it's huge. Um, if, if, if they're not here, it, it really drives down, uh, the value of, um, apartments, uh, and those things. Um, and, and it becomes this, this, this trickle down effect because we can say, we can tell somebody it's, it's okay that you don't pay rent for two months or three months, but, um, at some point, interest only with a bank, uh, doesn't go, only goes so far. Um, and, and, then for for some of those that are uh, unfortunate enough to have a, a note that matures in the middle of this environment, um, re reissuing that note um, when when they've got no occupancy uh, becomes becomes a difficult thing uh, to do. Yeah, and so it it's uh, the the university really probably drives a good thirty forty percent of our economy, and so losing those students. Um, it would be damaging. And I, I've seen, I, I think the latest number I saw just across the nation was the chance, uh, if, if there's not full in-person classes, that the freshman class will drop 20%. Hmm. 
Yeah, interesting. Uh, Matt Woods, as, as we wrap up here, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, this is kind of a grassroots effort that uh, started on Facebook. Uh, uh, it's grown into a GoFundMe account uh, that is uh, uh, really people are making contributions of all sizes to support this effort. Uh, uh, do you, can you give us more information on, on how, if one of our listeners wants to get involved or find out more, what what, what, what can they do? Well, they can uh, call me directly if they'd like, okay. uh, or I think Paul... Prevo, who has the Tiger Tots preschools and Market Ready LLC, has set up a GoFundMe account, and I think it's uh, set forth in the uh, Open Columbia Facebook page. Um, and uh, that's really about it. Or, yeah. or uh, like I said, just give me a call, and, and I'd be happy to talk with anybody about that issue. Give your office number, Matt, if you got it handy there, so people can. Sure. It's 573-874-4190. 4190. And that GoFundMe page is best for Boone County. Uh, Paul, Prever is, Paul Prevo is uh, the person who has set that up here in Columbia. So if you want to get in, in, involved, uh, you want to find out more, check out uh, Best for Boone County on the GoFundMe site. And then our call, uh, Matt Woods at 573-874-4190. Cameron Donovan, Ed Baker, Matt Woods, I really appreciate you joining us this morning for this uh, this conversation. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thanks. All right. That is the CEO Roundtable. You've been listening to Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. It's my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it.